speaker, Pastor Alex, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, over in the US, which is just going to be fantastic. And they, they, were, see, uh, they were on executive pastors down at uh, Planet Shakers for 17 years, um, Pastor Alex and her husband, and, uh, and they decided to move to Nashville. And I, I, from what I hear is they didn't actually decide to go and plant a church there at first. And they went there, and it's a funny thing. Once you've been part of a church and you, you really love people, it's like you can't help but just love people. And so they tried a few places out, and they realized, you know what, we're actually called to run a church. It took them 12 months, I think. And it's like, we're, we're, called, to love a ch- we're called to love people. We're called to... And so they started a church in their basement, as you do. As you do. They started in their basement and on a Tuesday night for musicians. And so all the musicians would come and, and they would just be there and all of a sudden their basement became too small. And so over a number of years, and, and so out of that, their church, The Belonging, was established. How cool is that name, The Belonging? You know, our catch thing here is you belong here. Everyone belongs here. And so they just went one step further and said, they will just call our church The Belonging. And I love her heart is, and I love their heart actually, is, is it just come as you are. Just come as you are. Everyone's welcome. You know, we're not here to judge who they are. That's the Holy Spirit. Just come as you are and let's see transformation take place. And so I actually got to hear a couple of her uh, sessions uh, during SWB and I heard that she stole Carolina's message. I, I don't know how that worked, but, but it was just phenomenal uh, just hearing her heart and just the... And she made this one statement about Judas. I was like, okay, for all the Pharisees in the house, this is awesome. It makes this one statement. It was like, I've got to get it right. I probably won't get it right. It won't be as good, but she might use it again. But it was like, you know, if Jesus had a thief looking after, or Judas looking after the finances, who are we to judge? Anyone that is serving in the church. I'm like, Okay, all is welcome. That's all right. Come along. I was like, okay. But I'll tell you what, this is a place where, you know, everyone is loved. Everyone is welcome. And come along the journey. And so this morning, how about we stand and honor the word as Pastor Alex comes. Thank you. Take your seats. So good to be here. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful, beautiful body of believers. I love the church. I love God's people. And he's just moving across the planet. There's no, you know, we're all one. We're all on the same team, amen? And we're all doing the same thing, which is to bring the gospel to a dying world that needs Jesus. And uh, I love, I love the different expressions of God's church, and uh, so I'm so blessed to be here. Thank you, Pastor Sam and Pastor Carolina. I mean, legends. You have legends as senior pastors here, and so I just want to say thank you for having me. I'm Australian. Everyone's probably thinking they were ne- expecting this Nashville, Tennessean. I am not Southern, um, even though I was born in South Australia, so I kind of am, but Southern Australian, not South 
Tennessean because my accent would be awful and you don't want that. Um, But uh, I'm excited and I'm going to get into the word. I believe God gave me a word for your church, which is City Point. And uh, whether you're part of different campuses, you're all part of one vision. And, uh, and so I believe, just like I spoke at the 8.30 service this morning, same message, because I do believe God is wanting to uh, cause his church to arise and be everything that he's predestined you to be. And uh, so let's get into the word. Amen. Uh, thank you, Lord. Father, I just love you. I love, your, I love your word. I love your church. And God, I pray that people today would not hear my words, but they would hear your words. God, I pray that you would anoint this word. Father, your word is so sharp, it's so alive, it's so active. God, it divides between soul, spirit, bone and marrow. God, I pray that it would, we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word. God, that you would call us to be full, full of your spirit, full of the power that you died and rose again for us to have and obtain so that we could change our world, change people's lives, and more importantly, live and be exactly who you called us to be. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, let your word take root and bring much fruit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, you know, as I was praying and as I was thinking about you all, I, I heard the Lord say, The potential in this church, the potential in this body, the potential in this room is without limit. And it's not just on Pastor Sam and Pastor Carolina. They don't have all the great potential and therefore all the potential happens through them and you guys just to partake of that. But the potential in this room is without limit. And I want to read to you from Ephesians 3.20 straight off the bat and it says, Now to him, God who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is a God who says, according to him, right, who is able to do far over and above, more than we ever dare ask, think, dream or imagine, the Amplified Version says. But according to the power that is within us and the church and in Christ Jesus, reveal the glory forever and ever. That's basically saying in you is the potential to change the world. In you, God it wants to do far over and above all that we ever dream, dare, ask or imagine because of the power that is within you. See, the power that is within you is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and it lives in you. Yet we look at that scripture perhaps and we read that scripture and we think, oh, isn't that lovely? The same power, the resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Yet why is it that we have an insecure church? Why is it that we have insecure Christians walking around the world? We don't even know how to be Christians in our workplace, in our families. We're ashamed to call ourselves spirit-filled. We kind of hide and unless someone asks the questions, we feel confident enough to share who we are. And God is saying, according to the power that is within you. And here we are walking around like, I am a less than, I'm not good enough. Who am I? I'm insecure. I'm not as good as Pastor Carolina. 
And God's saying, do you realize the potential that is in this room? But you know what I've learned about potential? See, potential is having or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. But God is not obligated to fulfill your potential. You must partner with his truth and his promises and together your potential is fulfilled when you come into agreement with what he says about you. So a prophetic word is just a prophetic word until you put action to it. You see, a lot of people can get a prophetic word and they think, oh, it's just going to float into my life and come to pass. But God says, no, faith without works is dead. And so you can have the word of the Lord, you can have all the potential in the world, and if you don't exercise it in faith in the practical outworkings of your life and actually exude the power that is in within you, then you stay stunted for the rest of your life and you keep wishing, wanting, hoping and watching everybody else in life go before you and you're like, oh, God's going to fulfill it one day and he's saying, would you get off your blessed assurance and partner with me and see that the power that is in you enables you to fulfill your potential. You see, insecurity is such an ugly thing and we have no right to be insecure. In Christ, you have no right to be insecure because you see, when we were first fashioned in the garden, there was no insecurity. There was full security. So we had power, dominion, and authority. We got to rule the earth, name all the animals, operate in the fullness of God, in perfect relationship with the Father, so there was no insecurity. The minute sin entered Adam and Eve's heart through disobedience, they felt shame and wanted to be hidden and they became insecure. Security had been replaced now with insecurity. And from the fall, we have become a generation that is so insecure because we don't know who we are. We don't know who we belong to. So Jesus had to come 2,000 years ago and reestablish our security in Christ. Yet we've got this same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives in us when we receive Jesus as our Savior. Yet why are we still living insecure? So we're still living according to the old man. We're still living according to our old self when according to Scripture, the old man passed away, the new creation arose, and why are we still feeding the dead man? Because the new creation is in Christ, the fullness, the hope of glory. And yet we're still like, oh, am I pretty enough? Am I smart enough? Am I strong enough? Am I good enough? And God goes, do you realize what is inside of you? Because this is what insecurity does. It paralyzes us in fear to step out and be who we're called to be. It fosters self-doubt. It focuses on the safe. It blocks affirmation when it comes. We don't receive it. This insecurity develops in the dark room of discouragement. It becomes defensive and unteachable. It keeps us subject to the past. It continues to place judgment on ourselves. It resists genuine relational connection. And it consistently finds itself comparing to others. And it controls or allows itself to be controlled. And that is the church. That's the state of the church. We are not advancing as far as we should be. 
Because if every single Christian on this planet lived in the fullness and security of who they are in Christ, we would be dominating. We would be the head, not the tail. We wouldn't be the minority. We wouldn't be the people group that's like, hoping and wishing and wanting. We would be leading the way. Incredible that a minority group like the LGBT gay community can make more noise than the church sometimes. And they're a smaller group. Why? They, their truth is that I am this. And they're not going to let anybody tell them otherwise. They know, they, even though it may be distorted, they believe in who they are and they're going to tell the world and they're not ashamed of it. Yet we are. Potential is without limit. I want us to go to a a man of God in the Bible. And we all think of him as King David, the warrior, the worshiper, the amazing man of God who just did everything. Yes, we know that he did a couple of slip-ups, but overall we think he's the man of God. But I want to tell you today that David didn't start out having all the security, all the affirmation, all the goods. This is a young man who actually nobody believed in his potential. Nobody. The only person that believed in him was God. And here is a young man and he's a shepherd boy. And if we know the story, if we've grown up in church or if you've read about the story, King Saul was an insecure king. And God was like, I can't actually work with this man anymore because he cares more about what people say about him than what I say. He will not obey me. He is so insecure because you see, even though he may have had king as a title, he had pauper as identity. And so he constantly lived according to the opinions of men. And so God says, I need a new king because this king is just not really good and I need a man after my heart who's going to just serve me. And so he sends the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house in Bethlehem and he says, I need you to find the next king and he's in Jesse's house. And so he calls Jesse and he says, I need all your sons and you need to present them before me because I'm going to choose the king. And all these seven men were military men. They were buff. They were uh, amazing. They were trained and ready for war. And they all line up. And imagine the prophet comes to this house and he's like, mm, no, not you. Sorry, not you. Not you. Not you. Oh, dear. Not you. Not you, not you. And you can imagine Samuel going, hold on a minute, I I definitely got Jesse in the message and I got the house of Jesse. Um, There's got to be another boy because they're not here. And you know, if you were a prophet in this day, I reckon you would have just picked one of those boys. Because in the natural, you see. But God sees when you're even hidden. And I need you to know today that when people do not see potential, God sees you and He will pluck you out of a hidden field when He has called you by name. So you don't have to worry about man choosing you. You can know and know and know that God will find you. And so here's David. He's in the field with the sheep. He's the shepherd boy. And he's like, there's, is there another one? And Jesse goes, actually, there's our youngest. He's tending the sheep. Now, I don't know about you. I'm in a family of four. I'm the youngest. And if my 
family got to the table one night and everyone had a dinner plate but me, I'd feel very rejected. If people came over and wanted to meet the family and I was in my room with my door shut and all my siblings got introduced and I got left behind, I would feel rejected. Sometimes we look at these stories and we think they're like cartoon characters, but this is real. Imagine if your parents came with a gift for each one of your siblings and left you out. How would that make you feel? Yet this is a placement of about to be king and he's not even acknowledged as a son. You see, his father didn't see that he had king potential. And scholars actually uh, write that David was actually born illegitimately. And that he wasn't born of Jesse's wife. It was another woman. And his brothers constantly throughout Scripture uh, rail him for being illegitimate. And they don't like him. And they're not in favor of him. And David actually declares in Psalm 51 that he was born, he was conceived in iniquity. He was born from sin. He was conceived in sin. And so this boy entered the world with rejection. And his parents didn't think he had king potential. And I'm here to tell you today that your father and your mother and those people in a place of authority may not see anything in you, but that shouldn't limit you. And we allow our past and we allow what our parents say about us. We allow the way we came into this world. You may be adopted. You may have been abandoned. You may be the product of an affair. You may be the product of rape. I don't care where you came from because according to Psalm 139, you were predestined before the foundations of the world and you were formed according to his plans and purposes. Your parents were just the vehicle to get you here. And even if they've spoken junk over your life, God sees the potential that your parents don't. But David didn't come at that lineup and go, oh, but my dad didn't pick me, so I don't think I can take this position as king. Do you know that when Saul was prophesied over by Samuel that you're going to be the next king. Saul go, oh, no, no, you picked the wrong guy. I'm the least of these. I'm a Benjamite. David didn't say that, even though he was rejected. There's a difference in his disposition. Saul gets picked and he's like, nah, picked the wrong guy. In fact, when they brought him out to the Israelite army to present this king that everyone was praying for and dying for, they were like, da-da-da-da, King Saul crickets. They couldn't find him. They had to inquire of the Lord and go, where's the king? And he was hidden behind the baggage in fear and insecurity. You see, you may have title, but it doesn't declare your identity because your identity needs to be found in the father. And so his dad didn't think he had king potential. Well, fast forward, he gets anointed king. The spirit remains on him that day. And um, there's a battle going on. Goliath is intimidating the Israelite army and his brothers who are military, they go to war and David stays behind and he's still tending the sheep, still faithful, still serving. Heart of God. And uh, his dad says to him, son, I need you to go and deliver some cheese and crackers to your brothers and I want you to give me a report of what's going on because they've been in battle and I, I just don't know what's happening. I want to know that they're safe. I want to know if Israelites have been are coming under the regime of the Philistines, can you please go and tell me? And so David's like, sure. He comes down to battle and from afar he sees Goliath intimidating the Israelites and he's like, hold on a minute, what's wrong with this picture? And he runs down and he says to his brother, hey, 
what's happening? Like, this shouldn't be happening here. Do do you know who we are? Like, we, we should be defeating this guy. And his brother attacks David in 1 Samuel 17, 28 to 31. He says, David, why are you here? What are your motives? Even though he was just following an, an, an instruction from his father, yet his brother doesn't believe he's got warrior potential and he attacks the very thing that God chose him to be king. And he says, how wicked is your heart, David? How wicked is your heart? And you see, David was actually chosen to be the next king because he had a heart after God. Yet his brother went and sprouted a lie that contradicted the very reason why God chose him. I believe that when people come and attack you in your integrity and your character and who you are and your gifting, it's because the enemy, that's the very thing that God's actually called you to lead with. And the very thing that the enemy will come and lie at you with is the very thing that God has actually said about you that he loves and he wants you to rise up in. And so here's David's brother attacking David's heart when it's the very thing that God called called him and chose him for but you see David doesn't engage with his brother he just says what have I done now I'm I'm sure he would have gone oh here we go again and his brothers it wouldn't have just been this day that they're picking on him what have I done now but he doesn't engage with his brother he actually the Bible says turns his back and actually focus on the real enemy but you see we've got a church and a people group that focuses on the gossip that's happening with brother or sister or brother and sister in Christ and we're not fighting the real enemy we're fighting this enemy and God is saying oh my goodness there is a bigger enemy at hand and I don't need you focused on this junk I need you focused in destroying the works of the evil one Because the power that's in you needs to be used through you. And here we are going, oh, she didn't like me. And she said this about me. And he said that. And I'm not going back to that church because they offended me. Wrong enemy, people. See, his brother didn't think he had warrior potential. But that didn't stop David. He advanced to the king. And he goes to King Saul and he says, I can do this, king. And Saul, the king, looks down at him and says in 1 Samuel 17, 33 to 38, you're not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. This man's been fighting from his youth. So you imagine it in today's terms. I live in the United States of America. And the president is President Obama. And it would be like a 17-year-old boy going to President Obama in the White House, making an appointment and saying, I can take down ISIS. Right? See, we don't think of it in real terms. We go, this is like a cartoon story. They're not Bible characters. They are people. This is history. This actually happened. And David goes, I I can do this. The reason why I can do this, Saul, is because I understand covenant. And I understand that I'm in covenant with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And we were circumcised. And when we were circumcised, that blood covenant represented that you will never leave us or forsake us, that we will be blessed and we will be victorious. But this Philistine is not circumcised. Therefore, he is on the losing team. But see, we don't understand that we're on the winning team. We don't understand who our God is and that we and God are the majority. 
And that the enemy is no greater than us because he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. So our security needs to be in who God is, not in what our circumstances say. And so he doesn't even listen. He's like, no, you don't understand. I killed a lion and a bear. Now think about that for a minute. It wasn't a teddy bear. It wasn't a lion from the royal show. It was a real lion. And he, a teenager, killed him with his bare hands. Wrestled a lion and a bear and David came out on top. So Goliath wasn't the biggest victory. This was training. And he's like, if God can do it then, he'll do it again. You see, you've got to remember what he did. Well, if God did it then, this, see, we look at different uh, issues as different levels. So we go, oh, a headache is like on level one. And um, a broken leg is level three. Cancer is 10. Do you know it's all the same to God? A headache is just as important as cancer. And it's as easy to heal. Yet we grade our circumstances according to our natural eye. But when we understand that God is the majority and that he's the defeated, he defeated the enemy, then we come in with confidence and go, but he did it there. He did a lion and a bear. Goliath is no different. So he goes in and he says, I'm going to do this. And, and, and he's like, well, you better wear my armor and you better do what I tell you. And he's like, I, this doesn't fit. This isn't right. And you see, insecure people will try and fit in other people's clothes and other people's ways of doing things. And it doesn't feel right because God designed you to be you. He didn't design you to be me. He didn't design you to be any other person that you think is great. He designed you to be you. We need to reveal the manifold wisdom of God. Do you know what that means? It's, it's like a kaleidoscope of color and each and every one of us represent a color. And if I go into Carolina's color, then I've just deadened my color. And therefore the world does not get the full reflection of the glory of God. Because I'm now come into her color and I've deadened mine. And we think, oh, if I could, only I could sing like that, only if I could do that, only if I could be that. And God's going, no, 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 what I've given you to do is exactly what you need to do and you have to do it your way because the potential in you is without limit. And so here's David and he just goes, can I just throw this off and can I just have my little five stones? You know, I just had a friend go to Israel and he brought back for me the actual, not the actual, but from the brook where David picked up his stones, he, he brought us stones from that brook. And I have these pebbles in my home on my mantle. And when I piled them in my hand, I was like, these little stones, one of these killed Goliath? And it makes me see it. Every time I look at it on my mantle, I go, with man, it's impossible. With, with God, it's possible. Because I look at this pebble and it makes it real and it makes it tangible. And I'm like, he used that? He was a teenager and he used that to kill a nine-foot warrior? And yet here he comes and he says, let me go and let me do it. Because you see, I understand who my God is. You see, his dad didn't think he had king potential. But that didn't stop David. 
His brother didn't think he had warrior potential. It still didn't stop David. His king did not believe he had champion potential, but it didn't deter him. He went forward and then he faces Goliath and Goliath begins to mock him and Goliath begins to taunt him and go, who is this little skinny thing that's going to try and come at me with a few sticks? I'm a warrior. I'm seasoned. I am undefeated. And he began to torment him and taunt him and intimidate him. But David's not listening because he says, oh, you coming? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who comes at me with a sword and a lie? I come to you in the name of the Lord. And today God will get the victory because it wasn't about David. It was about God and it was about his nation and it was about the covenant and it was about the promises of God a yes and amen and he knew he was not going to lose you see I believe when David got that stone and he threw it and it looked insignificant and it looked pathetic compared to the enemy I think it's the the beauty of God that it wasn't actually the stone that killed Goliath. It was God's power that struck Goliath down. Because when you use what's in your hand, partnered with the power of God, He will do what you can't do and He will defeat your enemy. And sometimes you think, well, what have I got in my hand? This is so pathetic in the natural. And God goes, in my hand, it's a death weapon. You see, there's that story in the Old Testament about the lepers and there's an enemy camp and there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of enemy army and they go into, like these lepers are ready to die. There's three of them and they're like, you know what, if we stay, we die. If we go into their camp, we die. So what have we got to lose? And so they get up and they cross over to enter the gate in enemy's territory. Now they're just walking. In fact, some of them wouldn't have had toes, limbs, hands, And they're crippled and they're walking in an enemy camp. They're not making a sound. Yet the supernatural army of God releases a sound that the 100,000 army on the enemy side hears a very intimidating sound and says, oh my gosh, there's an army coming after us. And the intimidation and fear got them so bad that they all scattered and left. And these three little lepers take all the spoils. You see, God is supernatural. They weren't a 100,000 deep army. They weren't coming with swords and, and, and chariots and all those. They were, they were just three guys, like limping. And get there and they're like, where is everybody? They're like, cool, this is all for us. You see, we don't understand the power of our God. See, when you actually understand that when you just take a step of faith and believe in who your God is, he does the rest. And he says that I will go before you and I will level the mountains and I will make a way for you where there is no way. But we're so insecure that we think it's all on us. Hmm. See, Goliath didn't think he had opponent potential. I don't know about you. I don't know whether you started out and everybody in your world has told you you can't. You can't. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not strong enough. You're not Christian enough. You're not godly enough. I don't know what your not enough is. I don't know whether you were just rejected or abandoned. I don't know whether your past church experience told you otherwise that you can, you can't, that you need to stay small. But according to scripture, we are all called 
to be overcomers, that we are all called to be priests, that we're all called to do something great for God. And it's not left up to the person with the microphone standing on a platform. It's actually up to you in your communities, in your spheres of influence, carrying the fullness of the presence of God, being all that God has called you. And whatever you come up against, you understand that God has given you a potential like no other. And you're not to listen to the voice of man. You're not to listen to those that even have good intentions but have told you you can't. Because just like David, he did not start out in life with everyone going, awesome, you're awesome. We've got a generation that doesn't know how to tell our kids no. Oh, don't offend their little hearts. Let them all win. No. Actually, sometimes my kids, I send them to public school in America and we we live in a state where all the Christians homeschool their kids. And so we're void of the presence of God in our public schools where the name of Jesus is not allowed to be raised. But when I walked into my son's school in kindergarten and I was the mum of the week because, you know, Taylor was being showcased all through the year. Each kid gets showcased and the mum comes in on the Friday and tells stories about their child. Well, this little kid saw my tattoo on my wrist and said, Miss Alex, why do you have a cross on your wrist? And I said, oh, darling, do you know about Jesus? And he said, no, no, ma'am. I said, well, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Now, you see, I'm not a student or a teacher, so I get to say what I want. And I told all those five-year-olds about the gospel. You see, if I took my kids out of a place where Jesus actually needs to be in. And if I look at the system and go, oh, it's so evil. They're not al- There's no Christians there. I'm sorry, but that's where we should be. Because where darkness is, grace abounds all the more. And we need to be full of the Holy Spirit, full of the glory of God, full of the potential that's given to us without limit because the Spirit of God is given without limit. And we need to go into enemy territory and advance. And today, I want to ask you a question. What does God say about you? What does God say about you? I believe today God wants us to come out of agreement with the lies that we have agreed with, that says we can't, that says we're not good enough, that says, oh, well, you don't know, Alex, you don't know my past. Well, you don't know my past. And I wasn't given a your awesome start. But you see, I chose to believe what God said about me and not what my parents said about me, not what my teachers said about me, not what my siblings said about me, not what my friends and not what my leaders said about me. Because do you know that when we went to Nashville, Tennessee, people said, you can't do this. You're outside of the will of God. You're not doing the right thing. You need to be undercover. What are you doing? But you see, I had to listen to what God said. And me and God are a majority And so I just did what was in my heart. And I stepped out and I told people about Jesus. And now there are over 3,000 people that have been changed and impacted for the glory of God. And so let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's have a moment with the Lord. And I just felt the Lord say, could you come out of agreement? Could you just say, God, I repent for believing what man has said about me what parents have said about me, what others have said about me. And I choose today 
to believe what you say about me. Because Daniel 11.32 says, people who know their God, who really know their God intimately, shall be strong and they shall carry out great exploits. And so, Father God, I pray over every man, woman and child in this place that they would choose to believe the potential that is inside of them, is given to them without limit and nothing is impossible, that we would come out of agreement what man has said and come into agreement with God has said and that we would effectively change our world for Jesus Christ. I thank you that this church will advance and shift the atmosphere and culture of this city and see the glory of God revealed through their sons and daughters. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Beautiful.